Hello and welcome to Scram, the podcast passionate about the Scottish food and drink scene. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and I'm very excited to bring you this bonus episode with our partners, Johnny Walker, Princess Street, to celebrate the launch of an exclusive new collaboration with the two Michelin-starred team of James and Maria Close. Stir is a groundbreaking cocktail and cuisine concept for the Explorers Bothy Bar, which serves up a unique menu of stunningly innovative small bite plates alongside meticulously created cocktails from Johnny Walker Princess Street head bartender Mirren Chowen. This collaboration aims to completely redefine the concept of whiskey and food pairing and having sampled the menu myself, I can say for certain I've not encountered anything like this before in terms of originality, ingenuity and flavour. You'll hear excerpts from a launch event I went along to earlier this summer as well as interviews with James and Mirren. Mirren has worked with James and Maria in this collaboration, pairing whisky from the four corners of Scotland, as well as other seasonal ingredients, beautifully with delicate and evocative dishes. I talked to him about where he gets his inspiration from when designing new cocktails and drinks menus, and how he works with the team to deliver such singular pairings. It all started in like the 70s when someone stepped out in Stockholm Greenhouse Festival and showed everyone what a suitcase would like with wheels on it and they were laughed out of the room. What we do is do a similar thing. We take different pieces of, of innovation or equipment from other industries and use, and use it for our own. Owners of the renowned global experience restaurant, Raby Hunt, Maria and James have created something very special for Stir. James tells me all about this exciting new partnership, but that it wasn't his first time working in the building, having spent a year in the men's section of Fraser's when he first moved away from plans to become a pro golfer. James is certainly a person who has interesting stories to tell and you can immediately see his passion for chefing and getting it right for the customer. Normally you would go to like a, a bar and you might have chicken wings and hot sauce with the cocktail, you know what I mean, which is great. But here we're trying to do something a little bit different where it's a little bit more gets you talking, gets the excitement going. First up, Mirren told us all about the innovation at play behind the bars in Johnny Walker Princess Street. I'm Mirren, I'm the head bartender for this entire building, which is quite nice. We've got two bars, this space and an event space. Um, my background is in design and foraging. Welcome to Johnny Walker Princess Street. Like I said, we have two bars. The first one is the 1820 rooftop bar. Known for its rooftop. <laughs> yeah. no, it's a stunning space. It's an old bank and then department store. And what Diageo has done with massive amounts of investment has turned it into a beautiful rooftop bar. Uh, what we do is we've taken a different kind of approach to a high volume bar. Rather than just doing loads of what, what we know is like mixologies, we've taken the idea of innovating social innovation. So we've taken people from different kind of backgrounds and really diverse uh, characters and personalities and we thought, let's create a really awesome team based on personality, because we have the product, we have the view, we have the rooftop, but that little cherry on the icing on the cake for us is the reason why people are gonna come back actually is the people and the service. When we come on to other types of innovation, now the first one I wanna show you, I'm gonna bring you all around here, is something called recombinant innovation, where we take information and energies and equipment from other industries and use it for our own. It all started in like the 70s when someone stepped out in Stockholm Greenhouse Festival and showed everyone what a suitcase would like with wheels on it and they were laughed out of the room. What we do is do a similar thing. 
we take different pieces of, of innovation or equipment from other industries and use, and use it for our own. This piece of machinery is called a rotary evaporator. It's quite well known in the bar industry already, and it's usually used in the, in the medicine industry or pharmaceutical industry, where they analyse uh, microbiotics, elemental properties in said liquids to create medicines, um, because they're taking out the chemicals and any kind of rubbish from said uh, base material or raw material, and they filter it usually with high-proof alcohol or sometimes no alcohol at all, and you end up with residue that they analyse. The best thing is, in this reflux chamber over here, is usually a collection of liquid, and it's usually clarified liquid because it's gone through a, a vacuum and a condenser. But what it does, it leaves you with what pharmaceutical industry would normally throw away. But if it's high strength alcohol, it contains all the flavor that you've been analyzing. So what you can do for us, you can mimic flavors that are usually in the wine world, but are really difficult to find uh, in, in raw materials. So you create the taste of flint, or matchstick, or car fumes, or petroleum, and you can put that into drinks. And as mad as that, as that sounds, uh, upstairs we look at the wine industry as a good platform of analysing flavour. So we're not just going peaches and raspberries and strawberries and cream, we're doing, oh, can we get that flint edge from that Hawke's Bay Sauvignon Blanc into another drink? Can we get that volcanic ash from a Sicilian Etna Rossa into, I don't know, a Kia cocktail? And going from there, playing with flavour. And again, it's not to be flash, it's just adding another little edge to something quite simple to give people a different idea of what flavour can be. So, normally you put liquid into this chamber. Say, for example, you had a whole bottle of Johnny Walker 12-year-old black label, and you put it into there. It sets, you set the RPM, and it can go up to about 3,000 RPM, so it's rotating really quickly. It increases the surface area of the liquid. You place it into this water bath, set the temperature, and believe it or not, the closest bit of equipment to this is a barbecue. In a barbecue, you have flames, uh, wood, coal, and they're kind of really hard to, to adjust. You have to keep playing with it, right? Like those of you who have already had barbecues already in the summer, you know you have to keep playing with it to get a nice char, to get the, the, the cooking element that you really want. And ultimately, it's the same thing if you've got um, herbs and spices like rosemary or tarragon. Uh, just through uh, practice and time, you'll know that it takes a really low setting of uh, RPM plus heat to extract flavours that you couldn't normally get by cooking them, to, say to create a sugar syrup or a liqueur. You just couldn't do it. So this piece of machinery allows you to really go and deep dive into any one ingredient, which is amazing. Lorenzo is going to hand out a little taste of something. It's something that we've, we've used for the menu you're going to taste later on. It's called an hedro aquavit. And what we've done is taken the idea of an aquavit, say it's an infusion of a liqueur with lots of seeds and herbs and spices. It will normally come out like this kind of colour. You're welcome to smell it later on if you wish. Putting it through this machine and putting it through a condenser, it allows you to clarify it into something like this. Do taste it, it's set around 43% ABVs. The first one is a, is a really deciduous brown kind of colour. It's a little bit murky. Uh, and the second liquid, when we've clarified it, is just like water. But it's an imitation of flavour, clarified, and you find that if you take the colour out of something, you find an expression of it that's not normally understood. If people do want to play around with this machine, what we've done, as a little laugh, is to put a whole bottle of Johnny Walker through there, and what you end up with, with is clear Johnny Walker liquid that tastes like Johnny Walker 12-year-old, but all the wood contact remains in the chamber, and you end up with brown, murky liquid like this, which is basically all of your oak contact. So you can actually reverse age things, which is quite funky. 
Okay. Uh, next little bit of equipment when we talk about recumbent innovation is an ultrasonic bath. Now this is used in the jewellery industry. Those of you who've cleaned watches or earrings or rings, this is what they use. Set it at temperature and we're going to send high frequency sound waves through liquid. Okay. Those of you interested in champagne or sort of bourbon as well when they turn all the barrels, you need that sonic agitation. What I'm going to do is turn this on, it's quite high pitched so you might not hear it. <laughs> but if you want to, you're welcome to put your finger in. Okay. It's going to feel like you're going to electrocute yourself, but don't worry. <laughs> but the idea is when you take two particles, say it's a vermouth and a whiskey, you put them into a vac bag, you take the oxygen out. Instead of making a cocktail where the, the liquids are kind of touching together, you go, that's really nice. We're looking for organic matter and what you do when you send high frequency sound waves through liquid, it agitates them so much that all your particles clasp together. Okay, and you're going to end up with a liquid that's more organic. Again, it's another form of aging without using a cask. Okay, so what you end up with is we make classic cocktails like the Affinity upstairs near 1820 bar. You drink it and it tastes more like a dessert wine because of the connection. Okay, so I'm going to turn this on. You're welcome to a few of you just to put your finger in and then we'll move over to there quickly, okay? Any volunteers? Yeah, it uh, feels a bit bubbly, uh, like a jacuzzi, but yeah, if you push your finger down a bit, it does feel like you're getting a shock. <laughs> but not a pleasant. Okay, we'll turn it back later on if you want to see it. Okay, so when you put uh, a wine that's kind of low minerality, low, low colour content, done with a Listan Blanco, so Palomino grape, we put in three types of seaweed. So again, for one of the many drinks you're going to have upstairs, we'll let you know what that is. We put that through an ultrasonic bath and you end up with a liquid in that, that colour. That's 20 minutes in the ultrasonic bath natural of unnatural aging, okay? Another thing we're gonna to showcase tonight is something that's quite close to my heart. It's the art of foraging. I know it's quite trendy at the moment, but uh, when I left the Bon Vivant in 2018, uh, I left not for another bar. Uh, lucky I've had a few offers, but the point was I wanted to learn something completely different. Again, that's why I believe why we're all here together at Johnny Walker. Um, so this is something called mugwort, okay? Freshly foraged this morning, um, but it's something deep-rooted in um, Scottish culture and tradition that we've kind of forgotten about, okay? So it goes beyond whiskey. It's, and foraging isn't just about picking ingredients for the sake of it to look cool on a menu. It's, it's the prevalence of what is local. So we've taken what actually is local with global roots in Johnny Walker as well. Something I always say, the most Scottish thing about Scotch whiskey is the people behind it because you're taking casts from France, America, Germany, Spain. You're taking barley from here, but also Eastern Europe as well, Northern Europe. Um, influences from around the world, secondary cast finishing. So the best thing about Scotch whiskey for me is the people and the brains behind it. And what we're gonna do upstairs with Stir is show you global outreach of Johnny Walker, but also throw in little bits of locality. And this to me is one of the best things Scotland produces. It's actually a form of Artemisia, so in Wormwood. So we could, this is how, what would make beer before we just hops are brought over from Eastern Europe. Um, so we're gonna be using this in abundance upstairs. Little things like seaweed, we're gonna be using driftwood. So we're gonna explain everything upstairs later on, but you're welcome to ask questions about all of this stuff. But we're gonna use, literally use the land rather than just picking berries. We're gonna be looking at what actually gives Flavour is flavour, and it can be literally the rocks, the soil, and the sea. That was a quick snippet of what we do. This room is multifunctional. Uh, we use this as a learning for life space, as the name suggests. A lot of the bartenders here came here with little or no experience, and now they're using rotary evaporators, centrifuges on a daily basis. Um, and it's all about providing a platform of education. Um, hospitality, I really believe, is stepping into a new generation. That's why we're doing things like stir upstairs. 
pushing the boundaries of what we can do, embrace that innovation, embrace some change. We've done it here at Johnny Walker. We can make a real stamp on the industry doing what we're doing. Thank you very much for your time. We have moved on towards the beautiful Explorers Bothy Bar, where the walls are adorned with paintings of the four corners and cream leather seating. Beautiful architectural design and a breathtaking view awaited us. Ian Smith opened the evening. We joined him mid-introduction. We're so lucky we've got access to these incredible whiskies and this amazing team that we've got get to play around with them and serve them to our customers. These whiskies come from literally all over Scotland, the four corners of Scotland. If you could uh, imagine for a moment, you could take wing through our amazing picture window there, uh, over the, soar over the rooftops of Edinburgh. You just have to turn right and you'd be across into East Lothian and uh, Glenkinchy Distillery in the beautiful farmlands of East Lothian. If you went west over Glasgow towards uh, the beautiful islands on the west coast to Isla, the magical whiskey island, and you could visit Kalila. And then if you head north from there, up over the lovely rolling hills of Speyside, fly over Cardew and its beautiful orchards that surround it. And then up to the rugged coasts of uh, Caithness and Sutherland, where we've got Kleinleash Distillery. So that's literally the four corners of Scotland, all amazing parts of Johnny Walker and our amazing single malt. Brands. And in fact, they're embodied to some extent here in this bar as well with these amazing paintings we have, which are by a Scottish uh, landscape artist called Scott Naismith, who um, painted these uh, for us. The originals hang in the distilleries in the four corners, but we have these uh, murals as well uh, here. And what we're, what we're doing with the star concept is kind of like for food and drink, you know, what Scott Naismith has done with these paintings. You know, creating these impressions, these creative impressions of what the places are like where these whiskies are made. But as well as the places, uh, people is the other thing. Merrin talked about it, you know, people are what make Scotch whiskey great and they make great Scotch whiskey. That includes our team here. Merrin introduced us to the first pairing of the evening. You'll hear a selection of these throughout the podcast. Needless to say, it was pretty special, both in the presentation and the taste. So this is Glenkinchy, so you've got a little tartlet, savoury tartlet, smoked eel cream, beef tartar, horseradish snow. The drink is a rapeseed wash Glenkinchy distilled edition, a little bit of flowering currant, um, and the hedgerow acro that you'll taste downstairs, okay? There's no cutlery, it's all finger food, it's all based on texture, so just go for it, okay? Okay, so um, it looks, now I can, now looking at it from the side, I can see it's a tartlet, but um, before it just looked like a mound of beef tartare um, that's covered in what you might think is cheese, but we've just been told is horseradish, with like kind of fronds of uh, something on top, quite, I, I don't know, looks <laughs> a bit like seaweed, it's not seaweed, so yeah, and the, the drink is in a, a black ceramic glass, so you can't see the colour at all, but he has said it's clear, so... Here we go. So it's lovely and smoky. The tartlet's nice and crisp, but the main flavour that's coming through is a smokiness, but obviously the, the beef's quite cold and fresh. So it's like a real mix of um, a smokiness, but from like a cold dish. 
the drink is really interesting so it's almost like herbaceous or vegetable like it, it's nice but you can tell you can tell it's got the um, agrovitae from down the stairs you can really you can really taste that come through but again nice and chilled so it's a, it's a nice pairing there's a smokiness from the, the beef that um, complements the kind of sweetness and herbal notes from the drink so I'm just going to go and enjoy the rest of this now <laughs> Okay, so next up we have Klein Niche. This is all about the coastline. So this is an agua chili oyster. So habanero, avocado, and a linen's farm oyster. It is cut in half, so go back for two scoops. And you've got coconut and lime leaf foam. Uh, with your drink, we've gone super tropical. So we've got a mango curd, Klein Niche 14 year old, uh, and the coastline Amaro. The Amaro, we've actually used driftwood from the sea to redistill, and then added some oyster leaf and other herbs and spices from the sea. Okay, so it is an oyster shell with what looks like a lot of foam on top and a very, very vibrant drink with the glass. It's got a kind of rim of what kind of looks like sand, so it all kind of ties in together in terms of looks. I'm going to try the drink first. That's lovely. Really tropical, really mangoey. The, um, the stuff around the rim kind of adds a bit of saltiness. Yes, very nice, really fresh. Uh, so now for the oyster, which we've got a little spoon for. It's really interesting. So you've got the obviously the oyster taste. So there's crunchy bits of um, I think maybe apple. So yeah, there's a green a green sauce under the foam, which is really kind of salty, quite fresh. Very interesting. Very good. There's a lot kind of different things happen whenever you take a mouthful of it. So not what you'd expect from just an oyster. So yeah, lovely. Certainly does remind you of the coast. More tasting shortly, but first, here's my chat with Chef James Close that took place later in the evening about his background and how this unique collaboration has come together. We're now out on the balcony at Johnny Walker Princess Street. It's a lovely evening. And yeah, we've had an amazing uh, meal with the cocktail pairing or the drinks pairing. And I'm now joined by James, the chef, who created it all. So, how are you? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's gone well. It's our first you know, main service where we're doing it for the press, so it's always a little bit nerves. We're very early days. I think it's gone really well. In any new venture, the first few days are always the ones where we iron out the issues and we're going to push on to make something absolutely amazing eventually. You know, give us another couple of services and we'll be flying. But tonight was pretty pretty outstanding because we did the service where everybody ate together. So it was, it was good. I think, you know, overall, the feedback was amazing and that's all we want. So we're here and we found out earlier that you used to work in the building. So how does it feel to be back and what was Fraser's? Yeah, so yeah, take me back about, it'll be about nearly 20 years. Uh, yeah, I was working in bins in Darlington um, and I was on the menswear department. And one day they came up to me and said, would you like a transfer to Edinburgh? I thought, that's it, I'm going to play for the big team, the football, you know, everything. So I transferred, so I came and worked in Edinburgh. I worked, I lived at the grass market and I worked on the menswear and it was probably the best year of my life because I would just come, I'd given up the golf and it was time to just go out with the weekend and Edinburgh was amazing, so yeah. Because you did want to be a pro golfer. 
Yeah, so yeah, if before as a chef, all I dreamed of was being a pro golfer. Unfortunately, that dream didn't quite work out, and I had to um, choose a different path, a, a different career, and that career was to do with ho yeah, hospitality. I first started washing up, that was where I entered being um, the chef world. I realised when I was washing up, that I thought I could do better than most chefs when I was looking at them. So eventually I got a job in the kitchen and I worked in the kitchen for about six months. I'm pretty self-taught and my mum and dad bought the rabie hand and um, the idea was for me to go off and train in France or do something classical. But because by then I was 30, I just got stuck into it with my mum at the rabie and in two, two and a half years from that, we got one start. And then seven years after opening, we got two stars. So. Yeah, it's a big achievement. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, when you look, you don't really, when, you, when you're a chef, you don't really have time to stop and think about it. It's only when you do things like this and you guys ask me questions that I think, oh, yeah, I did get two stars. Really, I'm only bothered about getting better. Every day we step in there, we want to be better. So doing something like this with Johnny Walker was a great thing for me because it doesn't take me out of the rabie, which is quite the only reason I would do something else. Because I'm not here, I'm just consulting and doing the menu. I don't miss a service at the restaurant. So I've never missed a service for 14 years and I won't do anything that's going to take me away from that. So this was perfect. That was a nice venture to do. It's exciting. We're going to be able to do small bites, which is going to blow people away. But it also means that we can still be consistent at the Raby Hunt. What can people, so we've tried the menu as it's going to launch, but what can people expect further down the line as the seasons change? Yeah, so we've started with menu one tonight. As we develop the dishes, we're going to build a bigger team. We'll become more creative so we can really go on and achieve more, you know, just small bites that have got multi-layered flavors and textures, but also relate to the distilleries that the cocktails matching. So for instance, tonight you had an oyster dish which had uh, jalapeno, coriander and tropical flavors. And they matched that with a distillery which uh, flavor profile is also tropical. So it's all things like that. We're not gonna be restricted to doing food too much related to the area of the distillery but more the flavour profile that comes out of the drink. And how important are the drinks because they were pretty out there like it's not really what you might expect from like a cocktail or whiskey pairing with a menu. So Mirren's amazing at that and like us you know early days give us you know a few more months and you'll come back and you'll just be like wow it's gone on again. So you know Mirren's he's creative very much like me um, I'm sure he's got ideas for the next menu and everything like that. So what's it like to be approached by an internationally renowned brand like Johnny Walker? And how does it feel to be approached by them and how did it start? Unbelievable. You know, Diageo, Johnny Walker is, a, you know, it's the big, one of the biggest brands in the world. But it's got that Scottish feel to it. And I'm just from over the border. And I always come, to, I always come north before I go south. You know, I started my eating career going out eating Michelin star restaurants in Edinburgh. So to come up to and be joined under the... Uh, Diageo Johnny Walker brand for me it's just like it's a dream come true because you know it's such a big establishment and just to be recognized and then want me to come and do the food is um, it's amazing you know it feels a bit like you know when it comes out of room coming home a bit as well so it's quite nice and how long has it been planned for like has it taken quite a long time yeah or? so yeah definitely taken a lot the, the talk started about a year ago unlike with anything it does take time to 
get to the position of, because we've had to, this is not straightforward where I'm walking into a restaurant and it's already been open. This is about branding something completely new. So we are starting from scratch. So it's, it takes time. You can't just, you know, walk into it and start sending dishes. So. And you work with your wife as well, is that right? Yeah, so Maria does the, uh, the rabbi Maria does all the desserts. So it was very key that we got her on board so that we can really achieve what we want to with the sweet causes and things like that. But she also is amazing. Uh, when I create a dish, I trust her palate. We've had many arguments, like serious arguments. Like we had one the other day because I was creating a dish of the rabi, and she told me that I needed to take something off the dish. And I, I'm like a perfectionist, I couldn't deal with it. But she's right. You know, you go walk out there, you calm down, and you go back in and you go, actually, I think she was right. And she normally is right. And if she's not, you tell her she's right. <laughs> yeah, so one of the things I noticed with the dishes is the texture is, is very important, different, sort of important. Like, you can tell there's different textures and things. And how important is that for you? So when we create a dish at the restaurant or for the, the boffy bar, we always think of layers and textures you can have a small bite in some restaurants where it's over and it's flat. When we try and do things, we want to take you on a journey, even in a small bite. So you've got flavors popping. It might be spice, it might be texture, it might be salt, all these things coming at you in one mouthful. That's what we're trying to design small bites because normally you would go to like a, a bar and you might have chicken wings and hot sauce with the cocktail you know what i mean which is great but here we're trying to do something a little bit different um where it's a little bit more gets you talking gets the excitement going i thought it was really nice because it's like fine dining but it's an it's formal but informal like you're eating with your hands like it's a bit you know it's it looks like you know obviously you've met too much in star restaurant but it's like it's not stuffy it's quite that's playful. the key that's what i said from day one i don't want to do anything that's formal i don't want to go down the route of it being over dramatic when we serve the plate you know i want it to even from tonight i want to lay it back a bit more and go a little bit more relax and don't feel uptight or anything like that. It's the worst thing you could do in a bar situation is start making people feel like you're in a fine dining restaurant. So even though the food might be refined, like a fine dining snack, um, we want the service to be really laid back and we're gonna have music playing eventually, we're gonna bring a DJ in at the weekend and things like that. What would you say to anyone that's thinking of coming, what can they expect? Just something completely different, especially to the Edinburgh scene. You know, you've got some amazing fine dining restaurants, but we're trying to do something that's new, original, and gets you involved in the night and talking about it, and excitement as well, and the music. So it's a night out, or, you know, and it, it can be a night out, or it can be just going there for a few snacks and um, talking about the food, because you're really into food and you're a bit of a foodie, or you can go along with your eight mates. We want everything. We don't want to single out as being like, like we said before, too formal. Okay, well, thank you very much. Glad you enjoyed it. Thank you. Food and beverage manager Yuri Gojavich introduced the next course. For the next dish, we have uh, the Kalila. So this is a quail Caesar with a aged parmesan. And for your pairing, we're serving Kalila mock with a cliff edge vermouth. So guys, enjoy yourself. Thank you.
this is the Kalula dish and it's basically like a lettuce leaf. It looks like it's stuffed full of cheese and some kind of crumb and some lemon shavings on the top. So it looks very much like my kind of thing. There's a lot of cheese. So it's like a mini Caesar salad on a single leaf of lettuce. So here we go. It's quite a rich um, dressing. It's really cheesy, which is nice. And the lettuce is quite fresh and crisp. It's a really good combination of textures and flavours. Again, I've got kind of got the cheese everywhere. <laughs> but no, it's, it's lovely. It's uh, very much like a classic Caesar salad, but done in a, quite an inventive way. So it's amazing how different all these dishes are, but they're all quite complimentary because they're nice and light and flavourful and lots of interesting textures and really very, very interesting drinks to go alongside them. It's not your average cocktail kind of canopy pairing. Um, and it's a Kalila uh, drink. Uh, so again, it's served in a black ceramic tumbler, so you can't really see it at all. And it tastes and smells very much like Kalila, I should imagine, smoky but quite sweet. Um, but they've also, so trying it now. There is a sweetness there, so the overpowering taste is Kalila, but there's a kind of sweetness at the back end of the palate, which must be something that they've made the drink with. It says Cliff Edge Vermouth. Um, yeah, it's lovely and it uh, goes well with the salad. Okay guys, we're moving on to the final distillery of our tour. So thank you for coming on this journey with us. This is Cardu, one of my favourite distilleries. Cardu's distinct flavour profile is all about what you can see in front of you. Apples. And it's apples all the way through for Johnny Walker. This is a green apple cremo, so it's basically a salted caramel mousse um, coated in apple gels and sorbet. I'm going to let you take a bite out of it. It's thick on the outside, but it's all part of the texture-driven analysis to do. So do take a bite out of it, get a cross-section of what's inside. You've got a little uh, tempered chocolate stalk and an isomalt edible leaf. Uh, the drink is a sparkling orchard wine. So it's Granny Smith, uh, Conference Pears uh, and Braybone Apples. Uh, we've fortified it with Cardu 11-year-old 2020 special release. A bit jazzy for you, but high alcohol content, really pushed through. And it's supported by honeyberries. So honeyberries are not indigenous to Scotland, they've been brought over from Asia. Um, it's like an extended blueberry, date, if it dated a plum. So really juicy and sweet. So that's the last one. Hope you enjoyed it, but uh, come back and see you in a second. So as he said, it looks like a very, very shiny, very delicious apple. Yeah, and I've just tried a little bit of the um, the uh, sparkling orchard wine. It's lovely. It's kind of like caramelly and a little bit, like as it said, sparkling. If anyone's ever had mead, it's a bit like that. It's sort of honey, really, really good. You wouldn't, you wouldn't almost know it was whiskey. Like it's there, but it's the, the flavours of the orchard and a bit more prevalent, which obviously is works well for Cardu. So I'm going to go in, we're using our fingers again for this one, so it might go everywhere. So it's, it's an apple, um, it's about the size of a small plum, so it's going to not be one bite, it's going to be a couple of bites, which will probably go everywhere again. But that's the fun. This has been really good because it's been like high-end fine dining, but it's formal but informal, like, you know, we're eating with our hands, we're, we're having a laugh, it's, uh, it's been very relaxed, it's good. So there is a salted caramel mousse, which is lovely, but it is again quite light. Um, salted caramel, you think it's going to be quite heavy and a bit too much, but no, it's it's there, but it's not it's not too heavy. It's sweet, but it's not sickeningly so. 
uh, the little crispy base adds a bit of texture. And uh, yeah, I've yet to try the, the tempered chocolate stock, I suppose. Which is very nice. And the leaf, it's like an old fashioned sweetie. It's, uh, it's lovely and it goes very well with the drink again. So another very good painting. I chatted to Mirren, head bartender at Johnny Walker Princess G about the collaboration and the inspiration and work that has gone into it. So Mirren, can you tell us a bit about your role here at Johnny Walker? Yeah, so my role is head bartender officially, but what my main job is to, is to unleash creativity onto both teams, both bars and the building in general, uh, coming up with innovative new ways that we can serve whiskey. And so the drinks as part of this um, pairing have been really like not what you would expect from like a normal kind of cocktail pairing, which has been great. So how did you kind of come up with them? Well, we've had this landscape-led philosophy um, throughout this project, and we really wanted to not stray away from previous stereotypes of what whiskey can go with, but actually let the landscape kind of deliver the flavour to us. So we went to these distilleries, for example, Glen Kinchy, and we discovered what was around there. So there are lots of hedgerows, but what does actually a hedgerow entail? And rather than pick out specific flavours per se, uh, we thought, let, let the season decide uh, what is good to eat right now. And then obviously collaboration with James and his idea of what Glen Kinchy should taste like as a distillery. If you were to paint a picture, pardon the pun, while we're in the room, paint a picture on the table. And do you have a sort of favourite way of innovating with whiskey? I mean, we've been downstairs and seen all your gadgets. Is it, do you have a favourite one of them? Um, I do have a favourite, but the, the, the best thing to do when you're innovating with whiskey is to see how it sparks conversation. So the more fun that we can have, the better. We use the lab downstairs to, what we'd say, query nature in our own way. Uh, to bend those sort of rules. At the end of the day, we want to spark conversation and make people smile on service, because at the end of the day, it's still hospitality. So we want to make Scotch whisky approachable, fun, and full of colour and life. Um, so that's the main inspiration, I guess. And I think quite a lot of the drinks would appeal to kind of non-whisky drinkers, which is quite a good, a good sort of starting point. Yeah, um, and we see this as, um, this room in particular, as a portal into what we call Destination Scotland and Scotch whisky in general. So this whole room and this, the ethos around what we're doing in this room is, like you said, a starting point for people to come and rediscover Scotch whiskey in a different kind of light. And whereabouts do you take your inspiration from for the cocktails and the pear drinks for tonight? We kind of take a cross-section of the land, so where each distillery is situated, we kind of write down what we think it would be like to be there, or look at past memories, the pictures on the walls that we have here, the experience of everyone in Diageo, and of those distilleries and we kind of write down what what we think should be served in terms of food and drink or what, what it looks like on, on a plate rather than picking say oysters because it's the coastline we go actually what does the coastline taste like yeah so we've tried the menu now but it's obviously going to develop as the seasons change so can you tell us anything about the autumn or winter menus and drinks yeah i mean the best thing for us is we're going to look at how the distillery and each distillery and the landscape changes throughout those seasons. Every season in Scotland is different in different locations, so we're going to literally look at the weather, see what's around in terms of wildlife, um, obviously look at what's trendy, what we, what gut instinct tells us to, to serve. 
every now and again we're going to throw in a, like a guest distillery as well so if, if there's a re-release of a special bottling or some, uh, a series reopening we're going to celebrate that and put that on the menu as well what is your favourite pairing on the menu? Um, I actually really love the Glenkinchy surf. I think the beef tartare with a smoked eel, it's really punchy. It just it sends you to that place, especially the woodlands and deciduous nature. Uh, and the drink for us is just really on point with the homemade aquabi, something we've always wanted to do, something we've always felt that Scotland should have been doing more, more aquavites, more savoury style drinks, which I think will probably be trendy, I think, going into the new year. And is there anything you can tell us about future plans? At the moment, it's, obviously, this is the inception of something brand new. So we really want to see what the feedback is from a lot of uh, guests, everyone that comes in. Like you said earlier, we're going to get a lot of non-whiskey drinkers in, and we want to see the complete diverse nature of who comes in, the feedback, and just move from there, I guess. So how can people find out more? Um, it'll be running Wednesday through Saturday every week, 5.30 to 8.30. You'll find out a lot more on the website, through Instagram, and all the social media, through Johnny Walker Princess Street. Thank you very much. You're welcome, thank you. Thanks so much to all my guests for being on this special episode, and thanks to you too for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode of Scran. Scran is a logical podcast that's co-produced and hosted by me, Ros and Erskine, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Kelly Crichton. Start is available to book now on johnnywalker.com.